Welcome to another episode of He's Not Done Yet. We are so delighted that you've tuned in today. And, uh, you know, He's Not Done Yet is a radio ministry that is on Victory Radio Station. It's on uh, 100.9, 95.3, and 1530 AM. And uh, we're also on Faith Talk on 99.5, and it airs on Tuesday evening at 6 p.m., and then they replay it again on Sunday morning at 8 a.m., and we'd love for you to tune in on the radio, but we also are on YouTube, Spotify, and uh, Google Podcast, all the media outlets. We'd love for you to tune in there as well, and we'd love to invite you to the First Pentecostal Church. We have church on Sunday morning at 1030. We're back Sunday night at 7 p.m. Now, if you do forget or not forget, but if you do only have service on Sunday morning or just once on Sunday, we'd love for you to come and visit our church because we have church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We'd love for you to to uh, come, and we uh, also have church on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. for our midweek service. You can uh, reach out to us on he's not done yet dot com. He's not done yet dot com. You can call me, text me at five zero one three three nine eight zero one seven. Well, today's scripture comes from Luke nine twenty three and twenty four, and he said to them all, "If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me." For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I praise you today, God. I feel you touching me today, God. I pray over this today, Lord. Oh, that it would fall on good ground, Lord, and we love you. We praise you today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen to know your help comes from the Lord. He's got everything we need. Worship with us.
Come on, why don't you lift your hands all across this house and worship the King of Kings? Come on, why don't you just worship him for just a moment? Oh, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, worship with us. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your life. There is no rival that could ever stand against your mind. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won. We've already won. Come on, why don't you worship him right now?
very special day. I have one of my heroes, one of my dear friends, um, Brother McMorris is here today, and uh, we are so happy that he has agreed to come back. And uh, brother, we just want you to come in and obey the Holy Ghost today, brother. If you can keep your head up when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can walk and not be tired of walking or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hatred. And yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters one in the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, Stoop down and build it back up again with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all life's earnings, risk it in a hand of pitch and toss. Lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a breath about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone. And so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings but never lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you but none too much. If you can fill the unforgetting minute with 60 seconds worth of a distance run, then yours is the earth. And what's more, you'll be a man, my son. Life after death. That's what I want to talk about today. So... Many people, especially those tuning in to He's Not Done Yet, have heard my testimony, and what a testimony of the miraculous power of God. Just two years ago, shot through the head with a nine millimeter bullet in one temple and out the other, skull fractured on both sides, skull collapsed and set down, brain swelling up, Everything needing to be repaired, both optic nerves severed in half. Doctors told my mother if he survives, he'll be a vegetable. He'll be blind and paralyzed for the rest of his life. She stood up, said, anybody that thinks God can't heal my son today, get out. As the last doctor walks out of the room, both of my eyes shoot open. She walks up to me, says, son, you're hurt and it's bad, but you will walk out of here in that name. Now, what is that name, son? Struggling to speak due to a tracheotomy in my throat and ventilator tubes hooked up from life support. She says, yeah, it's hard, but you say that name. I belch it out, Jesus. She says, get out of that bed. I stand up out of the bed. Doctors run in. How are you doing this? I tell them the same, Jesus. They said six months of physical therapy, a year of neuro rehab, send you to blind school. Two weeks later, they walk in. They say, we can't keep up with what God's doing. We're releasing you to go home today. 30 days after being shot through the head, I walk out the front door. What a miracle. Yes. But you know, people say, well, man, you getting shot, it really changed your life. That bullet Man, it changed you. People I see, old friends, old family members, people from times past that's known me, it's like a whole different person, they say. 
Man, that bullet really changed you, didn't it? The truth is, no. That bullet didn't change anything. All that me surviving that gunshot did was let me know that God still cared about Jacob McMars. When I had believed the lies of the enemy, it let me know that God was still mindful of me. Now, why in the world would God be mindful of me? Well, the past affects the future. The past affects the present. And the present affects the future. But the future doesn't affect the past. And the present doesn't affect the past. Unless you're writing a book. And you know the end from the beginning. And as God is writing the story of my life, I like to see him seeing the ending and saying it's worth doing what I'm fixing to do right here. And so I come out of that hospital and the story continues. And I find my way all the way down to North Little Rock, Arkansas. Marry my wonderful wife. God blesses me with a beautiful family. My children, almost all my family has been on He's Not Done Yet. <laughs> We're a He's Not Done Yet family. Woo! And so, but my wife and I, we made a decision before I ever moved to Arkansas. She said, well, I moved there. We're going to get married. And for our honeymoon, we're going to go by the church and have a prayer meeting. And so for anybody listening out there that doesn't know, our church is open for prayer 24-7. If you're feeling like, man, I wish I had some place to go pray, but maybe you don't know where to go, come on by our church. And I guarantee you it doesn't matter what time of the day or night that you come, somebody will be in there praying. Mm -hmm. And so we made the decision that we're going to make a commitment we will get by the church and pray every single day. If at all possible, we will pray at the church every single day. And if we're out of town, we'll find a church and we'll go pray at their church. And we made that decision and that consecration. And brother, it was tough. We were 45 minutes away from the church. There were late nights that we just didn't feel like going. And our old stinking flesh said, well, you know, you can just hang out at the house. We could just pray over our food. But we stuck with it. And the truth is, is that my life didn't change from me surviving, laying on that ground with a bullet hole in my head. My life changed with me laying in that carpet every single day. That's what changed me. And you know, I'm shot through the head and I come back from the dead essentially. But that same old man, he resurrected and come back with me. And I had to learn that, you know, I drag him and take him to an altar and kill him on that altar. But you know what? The next day, he'd get up again. And I had to go back to an altar and kill him all over again. Which is why, just like in that scripture you just read, Jesus said, if any man wants to follow after me, he's going to have to take up his cross. Not my cross, because your cross isn't the same as my cross. You've got your own cross to carry he said he's going to have to take it up daily and follow me. I'm reminded when Paul said, I die daily. Every single day, I've got to die. And the way that I found life after death is I continue to die. Every day on an altar. You want to know how to conquer the old man? If you want to know how to kill the old man, you got to drag him in and kill him every single day. 
Everybody's got their own theory on what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Well, here's one to add to the list. Perhaps the thorn in Paul's flesh was his flesh. Perhaps as he's entreating God and saying, you know, God, now here you are. You have me dealing with all these churches, writing all of these letters, giving all of this instruction. But every single day I get up and I have to fight this fleshly man. Why don't you just take it from me? And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. The fact that you're so weak in your flesh that you have to depend on me every single day is good enough for me. Why not have to depend on him every single day? Adam walked with him in the cool of the day. And so I found a profound, life-changing experience that is I believe the greatest asset to every believer, the greatest tool, the greatest weapon, and the most neglected at the same time. And it's a simple formula, but it works. Our church is evidence that it works. Your evidence that it works. Me and my family are evidence that it works. And it's just as simple as I will get by the church and pray. And I won't just get by the church and log in for prayer and hang out in the alcove and text on my phone, but I'll get by there and have a prayer meeting. There's a process that trees go through. When you want to graft a tree, you'll cut off a piece of another tree and you'll cut off a piece of the original tree You'll put the two pieces together and then you'll wrap them in bandages and you'll wrap the bandages. And every couple of days, you have to replace the bandages because they're soaked. Because in this time frame, while the tree is restoring its veins, while it's restoring itself and binding together with this new tree, it's a process known as the weeping process. Isn't that something? And there is a weeping process that takes place when you get by that church every day and you find a place, you and God, and you allow the weeping process, it does two things. It gets things out of you and it lets things in you that belong there. And so... We make this commitment, my family and I together, that this is what we're going to do. And you know, my life isn't just a miracle. My wife's been on here. She's talked with me. My son's been on here, and he's talked with me. A family of miracles, a family of people who really have no business even being here. <laughs> you know, folks say all the time, man, God's really blessing your ministry. And I say, I don't have a ministry. This is God's ministry. I'm just blessed to get to be here. Yeah. We should have been turned around at the door and said, we don't want your problems and your baggage here. But he let us in. Mm -hmm. And so a family of miracles, and we said, you know what? We're going to get by this church. And we're going to pray every single day. And we've seen it work. And we've seen it bring us back to life and give our family life, and give each individual one of us life, and it put things back together. You know, I asked Robert the other day, I said, son, do you believe in miracles? He said, yes, Uncle Jacob, I do. I said, you're a nine-year-old boy. You've only been in the church for a couple of years. Why would you believe in miracles? He said, because I've seen God do it every time we ask him for it. Ooh. What a God. Yes, Lord. And so we began to experience life after death. And God started giving us great victory. You know, we were living 45 minutes from the church. We got a home 10 minutes from the church. Car got stolen. 
God gave us a new car. God put the pieces back together and we experienced victory on a grand scale. My wife and I said, we're going to go on a fast for a financial breakthrough. Got one. See, the Bible says that if a man has a friend who needs bread, and he goes to his friend's house, knocks on his door, and he says, I'm already in bed. My children are with me, and I've shut the door. Go away. It says that, but because of his importunity, the word is his persistence, that he'll get his bread. The key is persistence. God's not a God of radical moments. Well, we had a prayer meeting that lasted five hours, and we didn't pray again for six months. But he's a God of consistency, and he's honored that, and he began to honor that. And so we find ourselves being faithful to our church, being faithful to God, and started a Thursday night Bible study with new converts this past year. And that Bible study took off. We started with a family of nine. The next week we had 19. The next week we had 37. The next week we had 54. The next week we broke 100. All the way up to 150 in our record attendance night. But being faithful to God, being faithful to prayer, being consistent with God. I'm going to give you some stats. I'm not bragging on us. It ain't my ministry. It's his. I just got to be a part of it. But you take a dead man who ain't even supposed to be alive, standing back up on feet they say wouldn't walk, open up eyes they say wouldn't see, Anything that God does through him can only be accredited to God. And so there was an Amish couple, imagine, that passed by First Pentecostal Church on their way to do some business. And the story is the man told his wife, Sweetheart, I feel like the Holy Spirit might be in that church. So they pulled into the parking lot, got out of their car. They said they felt something drawing them in. They walked in. They run into me and my wife. We don't know a stranger. And I walked up. I said, brother, you look as lost as an Amish man in a radio shack. <laughs> I said, tell me what you're doing. He said, well, we felt like the Holy Spirit might be here. I said, oh, brother. This is the Holy Ghost Hotel. You just checked in. I tell him my story, and he's blown away. I said, brother, I was blown away too. He says, let me tell you my story. He says, there was some trouble in the Amish churches. Me and my family, we decided to start doing our own prayer meetings together. And so I'd read a chapter in the Bible, and then we'd pray for about an hour. He said, and I read Acts 2 one night where they were all in one place in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. And it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. He said, and then I read on down where Peter commanded them all to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and that they would receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. He said, and I stopped and I looked and it said, this promise is for you and your children and all that are far off, even as the Lord our God shall call. He said, and I looked at my family and I said, surely, if they could receive this Holy Ghost, surely we could receive this Holy Ghost. He said, and so we started praying. 
He's the father of nine children and 37 grandchildren. He said, and half of my children received the Holy Ghost that night. And my wife and I received the Holy Ghost that night. And a bunch of my grandchildren received the Holy Ghost that night. He said, and the other half of the family thought we were crazy. <laughs> Imagine. I said, did they think it? you were drunk with new wine? He said, well, in our community, they shunned us. When we went to telling the people in our churches that we received the Holy Ghost, they shunned us from the Amish church. I said, that's terrible. He said, yes. And so we became friends with this man and this lady. And hallelujah. About a year rolls by. But first they had, we took them out. I said, I said, now y'all are Amish. I know y'all don't do a lot of things that we do, but do you do ice cream? Everybody does ice cream, brother. They said, yeah, we do. So I took them out to eat. We sat down, we had ice cream. I told them more about myself. They told me about their self. We befriended them. They came back a time later, had lunch with me and my wife. And almost a year rolls around and I'm walking out of a prayer meeting early one morning and the Holy Ghost impresses me. You need to call that Amish brother. And I said, God, I don't even have his phone number. <laughs> and it's like the Holy Ghost brought it to remembrance. Yeah, but he left you a voicemail one day, and you probably still got it. I said, okay, God. I pulled out my phone. I said, if I can find that number, I'll, I'll call him. And there it was. And I called him, and he said, oh, Jacob, it's the Lord you called. I said, yes, sir, it is, because I was just in a prayer meeting, and God was dealing with me. He said, I want to tell you what happened. He said, we set up a tent. And people were coming, hundreds of people. And we didn't know what to do. But the Holy Spirit fell in that place like a fire. I said, did it set upon each of them? He said, well, you know, we didn't really know nothing about all this. And we didn't know what to do. And we shut the tent down. And I said, that's terrible. He said, I know. And so we're setting it back up. And would you come and give your testimony? And I said, oh, absolutely. I sure will. Little did he know I was coming with more than a testimony. And so we came and went to Terre Haute, Indiana. And for seven nights in a row, we preached the doctrine. The first night, we preached John 3 and 5. Except a man is born of water and spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The second night, we preach the mighty God in Christ. Except ye believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is the vision. He is the image of the invisible God. And then the third night, we preached I am the door. And... There's no other way into the sheepfold. And if any come preaching any other gospel than that which we've preached unto you, he's a thief and a robber. And every single night, people are getting baptized in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. People are getting full of the Holy Ghost. And that fourth night, we couldn't even preach. The Holy Ghost took over. And we just shouted the house down. Just like a normal Sunday night at First Pentecostal Church. Yes. So every single night of there and then the last night, so many people received the Holy Ghost that last night that we couldn't count them. Mm -hmm. And there was just a ton of Amish people in the altar praying. And my wife brought it to my attention. She said, baby, they're not repenting because you don't bury a man who's not dead yet. You can't resurrect a man who's not dead yet. And I said, that's right. They're not repenting. And I stopped the music. And I shut everything down. I said, maybe you're in this house and you don't know what repentance is. Maybe you don't know what repentance even sounds like. Because it's more than just an apology. You haven't repented until you've stopped and you've turned another direction. 
And so we walked him through it, and I said, but maybe you're seeking the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I said, so we're going to go right back into praying. If you really want this Holy Ghost, and if you'll really repent, change your course, and believe that God is able to forgive you, and that he will fill you with the Holy Ghost, we're going to go right back into praying. And so many people received the Holy Ghost that we couldn't count them. It was incredible. And we left there, and it was like revival just kept on going. It was like everywhere we were going, we were seeing fruit. And then we struck into a revival with a brother not too far from here. And we come to this point to where we're looking, you know, and, and my wife and I are even looking at each other. And man, how did two people who don't even have no business being made to survive? get to this place to where we experience life after death. It's all the fruits of consecration and consistency. The formula works and the principles work, but you just have to work the principles. Mm, mm, mm. And so Thank our pastor, he set a vision for 2023. Victory, victory in 23. And so we had the great honor and privilege of sending him a victory report of 23. And that victory report was life after death. He preached a message called Victory Looks Like blank. We had some pieces of paper, and I took one of those pieces of paper, and I wrote Victory Looks Like More. Put it in my Bible. And I sent him a report and I said, Pastor, victory looks like 158 Bible studies taught, 2,154 Bible study students taught, 15 churches, 10 weeks of revival, 58 sermons, 81 people baptized in Jesus' name. Over a hundred people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Mm. Victory looks like more. Woo! Which set the pace and the vision for this next year for my wife and I, which is more in 24. Woo! Hallelujah. And so people say, well, what changed your life? What did it? What was it? Was it that bullet? No. Because that old man can die once and he can resurrect again. But it was having a life of consistency, of choosing every day to get by that church and put this nose in that carpet and keep it there until I was ready to get up. That's what changed my life. That's what did it. A wind blew both night and day, it stole the oak tree's leaves away, snapped its boughs, pulled its bark until the oak was tired and stark. But still the oak tree held its ground while other trees fell all around. The weary wind gave up and spoke, how can you still be standing, oak? The oak tree said, I know that you can break my every branch in two, carry all my leaves away, shake my limbs, and make me sway. But I have roots deep in the earth, growing stronger since my birth. You'll never touch them, for you see, they are the deepest part of me. Until today, I wasn't sure of just how much I could endure. But now I've found, with thanks to you, I'm stronger than I ever knew. Brother, thank you so much. My brother, hadn't you been blessed? 
Man, I tell you, Brother McMorris, I, I love to hear that victory report, Brother, and I tell you, it's, uh, it's been a fantastic year, and I can't imagine what's going to happen in 24, Brother. I know it's going to be more, though. And uh, we're going to invite our pastor in. He's going to sing a song called Worth. Hallelujah. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside.
Will you clean me up inside?